Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Happy to be with you on this Monday morning, July 11th. It's a uh, beautiful day outside. And uh, is, even though it's going to be hot again today, I am so grateful for these beautiful mornings. I only wish that we were doing the radio show from the veranda of, you know, some house... I, I think of those ones with the big porches. You know what I'm talking about? An old house with a big wraparound porch, and it has the the ceiling over the porch or the roof over the porch, and there's the porch swing and the old creaky wooden boards as you walk around. And There's something about sitting out there with a cup of coffee early in the morning before anyone else is awake, just listening maybe to the birds, seeing some of the, the dew evaporate if there's been dew, or sometimes if you're out in the country, seeing the, the uh, mist or the steam as it heats up and things evaporate off the grass. I love it. I absolutely love it. Maybe we should build a radio studio out on the veranda, but first we need a veranda. Since we don't have that, how about we do the show from the studio today where we are. Today we are going to pray our morning offering, and then in addition to that, I want to pray the litany of the most precious blood with you as we are in the month of the precious blood. And we'll say more about that in a little bit. Let's pray first. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. The Litany of the Most Precious Blood of Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, hear us. Jesus, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Blood of Christ, only begotten Son of the Eternal Father, save us. Blood of Christ, incarnate Word of God, save us. Blood of Christ of the New and Eternal Testament, save us. Blood of Christ falling upon the earth in the agony, save us. Blood of Christ shed profusely in the scourging, save us. Blood of Christ flowing forth in the crowning with thorns, save us. Blood of Christ poured out on the cross, save us. Blood of Christ price of our salvation, save us. Blood of Christ without which there is no forgiveness save us. Blood of Christ, Eucharistic drink and refreshment of souls, save us. Blood of Christ, stream of mercy, save us. Blood of Christ, victor over demons, save us. Blood of Christ, courage of martyrs, save us. Blood of Christ, strength of confessors, save us. Blood of Christ, bringing forth virgins, save us. Blood of Christ, help of those in peril, save us. Blood of Christ, relief of the burdened, save us. Blood of Christ, solace in sorrow, save us. Blood of Christ, hope of the penitent, save us. Blood of Christ, consolation of the dying, save us. Blood of Christ, peace and tenderness of hearts, save us. Blood of Christ, pledge of eternal life, save us. Blood of Christ, freeing souls from purgatory, save us. Blood of Christ, most worthy of all glory and honor, 
save us. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us, O Lord. You have redeemed us, O Lord, in your blood and made for us for and made us for our God a kingdom. Let us pray, Almighty and eternal God, you have appointed your only begotten Son, the Redeemer of the world, and willed to be appeased by his blood. Grant, we beg of you, that we may worthily adore this price of our salvation, and through its power be safeguarded from the evils of the present life, so that we may rejoice in its fruits forever in heaven. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there are two reasons I wanted to start this morning off together praying the litany of the precious blood with you. Uh, One, because in this month of July, it is the month dedicated to the precious blood of our Lord. We're actually going to learn a little bit about that later on this week with Father Jeffrey Kirby, uh, who's going to bring us some insights on that. Not today. Today we're going to be talking about the Blessed Mother. But before we get to that... Every morning when I get up, I have a routine. And, and, you know, we were talking about morning routines Friday on the Roadmap Roundup. And it begins with prayer. It begins just by saying, thank you, God, for the day. Um, But then as the morning progresses, I have a couple of news sources I check, and some of them are secular and some of them are uh, Catholic-specific news sources. And usually one of the ones I read every morning, I just glance at the headlines before I come on the air here with you, is the uh, Catholic News Agency website. And this morning I was saddened to read yet another headline. This one, Pastor of Catholic Church in Bethesda, Maryland, describes arson desecration of tabernacle. And so Catholic News Agency is reporting that St. Jane Francis de Chantel Parish was the most heavily damaged of three Bethesda churches hit by vandalism over the weekend. Uh, The pastor reported that vandals broke into the church, they toppled statues, they tore down the stations of the cross, They desecrated the tabernacle and attempted to light the church on fire. There was a fire, but it was contained, uh, per the reports. The parish gathered the next morning for Mass in the school gymnasium. And Father, in his statement, said, I believe this is because of the church's stand on the issue of life, when it begins, and that it should be protected, and that this is one of the manifestations of the deep divisions right now within our country. But he went on to say and to remind the people of God gathered there that morning in the gymnasium instead of the church that as sacred as the church building is, the people are the body of Christ, that you and I are the body of Christ gathered together. And as we've been praying this litany, you know, some of the titles that stick out, out to me, Courage of Martyrs, Solace and Sorrow, Pledge of Eternal Life. This litany is just so great for us to pray because it reminds us that, you know, this life we're going to encounter suffering. There are going to be those who criticize us, who ridicule us, who mock us. And if we think we're any, that, w- that we should be free of that, let us not forget that as our Lord walked his way of the cross, there were those who criticized him, who mocked him, who jeered at him, who spat upon him, who beat him. And so you and I are going to have to go through some suffering in this life as we stand for our faith. And it might be something as simple as refusing to 
buy into an idea at a family gathering where someone says, well, can't you just say that you believe in this so that we can have peace in the family? And I've been there, and, and many of you, you've probably been there too. But the litany of the precious blood reminds us that as trying as these times in this earthly life can be, if we hold fast to our Lord, if we cling to our faith, if we ask daily for that grace to be true to him, to avoid the temptation of appeasement, but to firmly stand for what is good and what is true and what is right, that there's a great promise for us when this earthly life has ended. I was pleased to be with uh, some listeners over the weekend, and we were talking about Sanctifying Grace, and we were talking about the show Roadmap to Heaven. And, you know, having a show called Roadmap to Heaven and not talking about Sanctifying Grace is like telling you all about a road trip, where you're leaving from, where you're heading to, what you need to pack, how you're going to stop along the way or what pit stops you're going to make along the way and uh, the route that you need to take to get there, but never actually tell you about the vehicle that gets you there. You know, you can't take a, a road trip, a car road trip without a car. You can't get to heaven without sanctifying grace and you can't get sanctifying grace on your own. It's a free gift from God and you have to choose it. But how often do we fall like Peter when we're surrounded by the crowd and say, I do not know him. Three times Peter said that, and yet our Lord three times gave Peter the opportunity to come back to him. Peter, do you love me? And each of those three times, Peter had the grace to say, Lord, you know I love you, and look at what Peter did for the world. As I said, we're going to be talking about the Blessed Mother today. It's Martinoni Monday, so John's going to be with us, and we're going to talk about the question of whether or not Mary was sinless. And this is important for us as we talk about the Immaculate Conception and um, our understanding of the Immaculate Conception, there were those who would say, well, you know, after she gave birth to our Lord, you know, she was preserved for that. But then after that, no, no, Mary was sinless. And John's going to help us defend that teaching. Then later on, we begin with Doug Barry, our series of Marian apparitions of the past hundred years. We're actually going to go 105 years back because how could you not include Our Lady of Fatima when you talk about the last hundred years? So that's actually where Doug and I are going to start is with Our Lady of Fatima today, a little later on in the show. And then I've got some encouragements for you on praying the rosary because as we like to say here at Covenant Network, we're sustained by the Eucharist and strengthened by the rosary. And I have more thoughts on that a little bit later on. But first, let's go to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the Memorial of St. Benedict. Born in northern Italy in 480, he was the son of a Roman noble and had a twin sister who would grow up to be St. Scholastica. Sent to Rome to study, he was about 20 when he walked away from his education, disillusioned with the lack of morals and propensity for violence in the culture surrounding him. Initially, Benedict became a hermit, spending three years in the nearby mountains. He began to attract followers and eventually had a small community of monks. Then, Benedict began to unite his community with those nearby having similar core beliefs, leading to one large monastery, something that had never been done before. This would be the foundation of monastic life, making Benedict the father of Western monasticism. He built a legendary home for his monks high in the mountains called Monte Cassino, which served as a home for his community for nearly 1,500 years until World War II when it was destroyed by Allied bombing and then rebuilt after the war. Benedict 
called his followers to a life of prayer, study, work, and peaceful living under the direction of an abbot. This became the foundation for all monastic life in the West and included daily direction for his monks, which became known as the Rule of St. Benedict. Today, the two branches of the Benedictine family are the Benedictine Federation and the Cistercians. Benedict died at Monte Cassino in 547. St. Benedict, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. It's a good time to stop on this Monday and talk with John Martinoni, a founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, about some of those common errors that are out there that we need to understand. And, you know, as Catholics, especially in this month of May, we give special honor to the Blessed Mother and the Rosary. And one of the things I love about the Blessed Mother is the story of her salvation, how she was saved from sin in a very unique way compared to the rest of us. And some people would take objection to that to say, well, wait a minute, what do you mean the Blessed Mother is without sin? Mary couldn't be without sin. You just go to the Book of Romans and, well, John, what are they talking about? Well, as you were saying, we as Catholics believe Mary was not just conceived without sin, the Immaculate Conception, but that she was sinless her entire life. And our non-Catholic Christian brothers and sisters will say, no, that's not possible, and Scripture says it's not possible. And when you say, well, where in Scripture does it say that? They'll go to Romans 3, verses 23 and 24. Well, let me back up. Verse 22, let's start there. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, they say, It says, all have sinned, and they use that word all as an absolute, so absolutely everyone who's ever lived has sinned. And so, first thing I do, I say, well, let me ask you this. I said, so everybody has sinned, right? Absolutely. What about Jesus? Oh, well, he's an exception. (laughs) Oh, okay. So all's not an absolute. There's an exception. Well, but just Jesus. What about babies? Have they sinned? Well, no, babies haven't sinned, but everyone who's of the age of reason. Oh, so there's other exceptions. And I said, well, what about John the Baptist's parents? They said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, Elizabeth and Zechariah said in, in Luke 1, it says, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. I said, now, that sounds like they were sinless from the Bible. Well, you know, that, what that really means. And they've got a problem. So all isn't necessarily an absolute. That's the first thing. Second thing I do, and this really messes with their heads and really is, is an occasion for planting a really good seed, I'll ask someone, I'll say, who's throwing Romans 3.23 at me, I'll say, are you seeking for God? Every time they say, yes, I'm seeking for God. I say, well, no, you're not. Yes, I am. I am seeking for God. Continue. I pray. I read scripture. I'm seeking for God. I say, well, the Bible says you're not. What do you mean? Well, you know, that Romans 3 chapter where all is an absolute. 
Well, in Romans 3.11, it says, no one understands, no one seeks for God. I said, so either you're lying to me that you're seeking for God, or the Scripture's wrong. Which is it? Well, uh, what, uh, and what I do is I, I'm making the point, these words are not absolutes. They don't mean absolutely everybody. What Paul is talking about in Romans 3 is groups of people, the Jews and the Greeks, or you could say the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's saying to the Jews, hey, you guys have sinned just like the Gentiles have. So all have sinned as a group. And we know this for sure because in Romans 5, 18 and 19, it says this, Then as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men, talking about Adam's trespass, so one man's act of righteousness, Jesus, leads to acquittal and life for all men. And then Paul basically repeats what he just said. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. So in verse 18 it's all and all, in verse 19 it's many and many. So Paul doesn't even use all as an absolute. So when someone throws Romans 3.23 at you to say all have sinned, so that includes Mary, two things. Number one, start showing them where the exceptions are. And number two, ask them if they are seeking for God and take them to Romans 3.11 and, and show them you can't interpret 3.23 in an absolute way and not interpret 3.11 in an absolute way. But if you do that, then you're, you've totally messed up your interpretation of Scripture because many places in Scripture it talks about people seeking for God. So Romans 3.23 does not in any way, shape, or form prove that Mary sinned. Well, there you have it, friends. A good rebuttal for an argument with anyone who would say, no, Scripture says very plainly that Mary must have sinned because of Romans 3. 22 and 323. John Martinoni, I want to thank you for shedding light on how that would be a false statement and that we can still go on believing what the Church teaches, that the Blessed Mother was not only conceived without the stain of original sin, but also led a life that was sinless all the way to her death and assumption. Friends, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We have a catechist question for you this morning, although every time we play that music, I just want to keep letting it play. Maybe one day we'll bring you all of the Swingin' Safari. But today our catechist question is about the rosary. And the question about the rosary is this. And it's an easy one today, but it's a, it's a good opportunity for us to uh, just reinforce some things. When you pray the rosary, no matter whether you pray one set of mysteries or all four sets of mysteries, true or false, you pray five decades at a time. When you pray the rosary, whether you're praying one set of mysteries a day or all four sets throughout the day for each rosary, you pray five decades at a time. True or false? The answer is false. Now, you could, if you pray the uh, traditional mysteries of the rosary, the joyful mysteries, the mysteries of light given to us by, well, formalized by St. John Paul II, but really there's a, a rich history to those, and then the Sorrowful Mysteries, and then the Glorious Mysteries. Uh, you would pray five decades at a time. And you could pray all four sets of mysteries a day, even though that we normally pray on Sundays right now, the Glorious Mysteries, Monday, the Joyful Mysteries, Tuesdays, the Sorrowful, Wednesdays, the Glorious again, 
Thursdays, the Mysteries of Light, and Fridays, the uh, Sorrowful, Saturdays, the Joyful again. You could pray all four sets in one day, and if you were going to, you would pray the Apostles' Creed, and then the Our Father, and the three introductory Hail Marys, just once when you pray your first rosary, and then you'd pray your five sets of mysteries. You know, I would start with the joyful and go in that order, joyful, luminous, sorrowful, glorious. And then whatever your last rosary of the day is, you would conclude with the concluding prayers, the Hail Holy Queen and the rosary prayer. That said, the Franciscans have a wonderful tradition that was started back in the, uh, it dates back to the early 15th century, of the seven-decade rosary. And this is a little bit different. And this is one of those wonderful things that, I've, if you've ever heard Father Donald Calloway speak about the rosary, he talks about some of the different traditions. The, the rosary we have, uh, that we have come to know as the common rosary, comes to us from Our Lady to St. Dominic, who spread that devotion. But back in the 15th century, um, we have a young man, I just had his name here, named James, and he would bring flowers to the statue of the Blessed Mother, and he would always bring her a crown of flowers. And then he would go on to join the Franciscans, and he thought he would have to stop this. And the Blessed Mother said, no, I'll give you a way to continue. And so rather than honoring me with flowers, she gave him the seven decade rosary. And so for the seven decade rosary, if you ever wanted to pray this, uh, it's, it's also known as the Franciscan crown rosary. You begin simply by stating the first joy and then praying one Our Father and ten Hail Marys while meditating upon that joy. Now the seven joys of the Blessed Mother, the Annunciation, the Visitation, the Birth of Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Adoration of the Magi, the Finding of the Child Jesus in the Temple, the appearance to, of Christ to Mary after the resurrection, and the assumption and coronation of Mary as Queen of Heaven. So a little bit of overlap there with both the joyful and the glorious mysteries. Now during Lent, the Franciscans pray the seven sorrows of the Blessed Mother, which I suppose you could also do on uh, Our Lady's feast day under the title Our Lady of Sorrows, and those are the prophecy of Simeon, the flight to Egypt, the loss of the child Jesus for three days, Mary meeting Jesus carrying the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus' body being taken down from the cross and placed in Mary's arms, and then his body being placed in the tomb. So again, also some overlap there with our joyful mysteries as well as our sorrowful mysteries. And that's another way you could pray the rosary. Maybe you don't have time to pray all four sets of mysteries a day, but you want to pray more than five decades. Well, then I encourage you, pray the seven-decade rosary as well. But no matter what, Pray the rosary. There's this wonderful quote uh, we used to play from time to time on the air here from Bishop Hugh Doyle. And uh, I've got it pulled up here that he said, uh, no one can live continually in sin and continue to pray the rosary. Either they will give up sin or they will give up the rosary. You know, we've been talking about the rosary on the show for the last two years And I have to tell you that the more and more I have focused on trying to pray that daily rosary, the less and less uh, some of the more serious sins that concern my examination of conscience have been creeping up in my life. And I like to think that, hey, Adam, you're getting something right here for a moment. You're doing something really great. But, you know, what's different about me now than... 
two and a half, three years ago. Well, it's much more dedication and focus on praying the rosary. I mean, sure, maybe I have a little bit to do with it, but I, I think what we're really talking about here is what Bishop Hugh Doyle said. No one can live continually in sin and continue to pray the rosary. Either they will give up sin or they will give up the rosary. And that doesn't mean, uh, that, again, that they're pulling themselves up by their bootstraps because they're praying the rosary. It's because they're receiving an outpouring of grace from our Lord through his blessed mother. You know, and if you're not praying the rosary every day, are you getting that grace? Are you getting that grace? So I encourage you each and every day, each and every day, pray your rosary. We are going to take a real quick break here. When we come back, we'll be joined by Doug Berry to talk about the apparition of the Blessed Mother at Fatima. Stay tuned. We are very happy to be speaking with Doug Berry today about our favorite Marian apparitions. Well, maybe not our favorite Marian apparitions, but certainly the Marian apparitions of the last 100 years. And every day we're going to take one apparition this week. And Doug, it's good to be with you today. Adam, I appreciate the chance to be with you. I look forward to opportunities like this, especially to talk about Our Lady and her messages. So when we talk about Marian apparitions of the last 100 years, I can only imagine we are going to start with Our Lady of Fatima. Yes, pretty much have to. 105 years ago, you have one of the most amazing, life-altering, world-changing, world-shaking events that takes place in Fatima, Portugal. Three little children. Uh, Actually, it begins several months before Our Lady appears when the Angel of Peace appears to the three children and teaches them to pray. The Angel appears three different times to them. And then 1917, on May 13th, the Blessed Mother appears and everything begins to roll from there. So, Doug, when we talk about these Marian apparitions, one thing I've learned over my years is that each apparition has a very specific message. What is the message of Fatima? Fatima is one of those messages that really has a duration that goes on. And the great thing is, and we'll get into this in in future conversations about different apparitions, is it it links to other apparitions that take place up to now, really, these following 100 years or so. But Fatima was predominantly about warning. And you know this clearly when you see the depth of the message coming to three little children as young as seven, nine, and 10 years old, as Jacinta, Francisco, and Lucia were. July 13th, 1917 is really a key pivotal apparition where they're shown the vision of hell. And a lot of people talk about this, the vision of hell. We know about the vision of hell. But then she also says that this war will end soon after the vision of hell, which in and of itself is pretty groundbreaking, pretty earth-shaking. This is the place where poor sinners go, have nobody to pray for them, make sacrifices for them, she says. In order to save souls, God wishes to establish a devotion to my immaculate heart. Now, that's completed more in 1926 when our Lord and our Blessed Mother appear to Lucia in the convent and really establish the five for Saturday devotion and all that goes with that, which is something we should be doing, not just talking about, but doing even today. Now, back up again to July 13th, 1917, after that vision of hell, she says that this war will end soon. Now, World War I had started in 1914. It would then end in 1918. So she nailed that, obviously. This war will end soon. But she says, if man does not stop offending God, there will be a second war, and it will be far worse than this one. And she gives some details on that. She also talks about Russia spreading the error of her ways, which is more than just a state communist type government. It is godlessness in general. It is immorality. It is a destruction of family. After the Bolshevik revolutions that took place following the apparitions of Our Lady in 1917, the Bolshevik revolutions broke out. And in that time period, the Bolsheviks were very big on destroying family values, and it really escalated. And now we see this all over the world, not even forced upon us. Many people are just running full steam down this road of destruction of family. 
Now, she also speaks in 1917 on July 13th in the importance of consecration of Russia, that every single one of us needs to be praying a rosary daily. And this is the key part. Many people ask me over the years, because I talk about this a lot. Do you think the consecration was done right? Do you think John Paul II did it right? And now it's, do you think Pope Francis did it right? I don't know. I always say that's out of my wheelhouse. That's above my pay grade. I just know that the Blessed Mother said we all need to pray the rosary daily. And I know I haven't always done that. I've been doing it a lot more the last 15, 20 years of my life, but that's something we all need to focus on because that is on us. But I will wrap up with this key point. Years later, 21 years, approximately, World War II breaks out. It is devastating. Even to this day, the memories of it, the pain of it from people who still you know, are alive, who suffered through it, is still overwhelming in many, many respects. But in 1957, I believe, Sister Lucia had an interview with the Father Fluences. I think it's, I pronounced the name correctly there. She said in the interview, in all six apparitions, not once did me or my cousins ever see the Blessed Mother smile. That's a key thing to think about. Our Lady did not come to these three little children in 1917 to say, hey, everything's great. Your wonderful little innocence does so much to help us. I mean, there's aspects of that, of course, but Our Lady doesn't smile. She comes and says, in essence, you three children are being called to be instruments of God to say to the world, there's a serious warning at hand here. A second world war, which happened. Russia, which is happening now. And many people are starting to connect these dots. So John Paul II, God rest that wonderful, beautiful, saintly soul. He said that the apparitions of Fatima and the messages of Fatima are more important for us in our modern time, obviously when he was alive, he said this, than they were even when they were given. So there's still a lot to Fatima that people need to be looking to. There's a lot to Fatima people need to be paying attention to. And of course, responding to Our Lady's call, urgent call, urgent call for conversion. It sounds like the number one message for us is that above all else, if we are not praying the rosary daily, we need to start right now. That's it. But we do know that the Blessed Mother has been warning us for over 100 years of the seriousness of deep conversion. And you're right. Praying that rosary is a key part of that. Get to confession consistently, regularly. Get to that rosary daily. Keep it near you at all times and pray it every day without fail, no matter how you feel. Blessed Mother didn't say pray the rosary when you feel good, and she didn't say you're going to feel good when you pray the rosary. She said just pray it. And oftentimes when things are hard, that's when we really show our love, when things are difficult, but we do it because we know it's the right thing to do. Well, that's a whole other conversation I imagine we're going to get to in the future because it is so important to pray that daily rosary. Doug Berry, thank you so much for shedding some light on Our Lady of Fatima for us today. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Great to be with you. Here we are on this Monday, ready for a new set of encouragements from Patty Schneier. So, Patty, what do you have for us this week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement? Well, this week we're going to talk about spiritual direction. I have been blessed to have an incredible spiritual director for probably almost 20 years now. She's one of the apostles of the interior life, and she's been such a gift in my life. And I know some people will say, well, what is a spiritual director and why do I need spiritual direction? It's truly a gift that you give yourself that God gives to you, but by taking the time to go into spiritual direction with someone, you're entrusting your soul to them 
You talk about what's going on in your life and your holiness, your pursuit of holiness, the sacramental life, everything that just whatever might be on your heart. And I have really benefited from spiritual direction. So I'm just going to share this week some of the nuggets of truth that have been life changing for me that I had to learn in spiritual direction. So if they helped me, I'm hoping that they can help you. So the first one is a lesson I had to learn very, very early on in spiritual direction. And this is what my spiritual director said to me. She says, Patty, all sin, most of it comes down to this. You're either making a mountain out of a molehill or you've made a molehill out of a mountain. I thought, what? What does that mean? She says, think about it. 99.9% of the time, I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, meaning something that's little that I'm either clinging to, I'm, it's not that important, and I'm making it a false idol, right? Or I'm spending too much time with it. It's out of proportion. Or if there's some major sin in our life, I've made it a molehill. I've justified it and said, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. We convince ourselves of that lie. Mortal sin, for example, oh, it's really not that big of a deal if, you know, we miss mass on vacation or if our child has a ball game, for example. See, we make a molehill out of a mountain. No, that's a mortal sin, right? We have to convince ourselves that what when we have sin in our life, what have I done? I've either made a mountain out of a molehill or a molehill out of a mountain. That helps give me perspective. So if there's some sin in your life right now, ask yourself that question, and I hope it's helpful for you too. We have a lot to examine with the mountains and molehills in our lives, but that's a very good lesson for us, and I want to thank you for sharing that. Well, we are wrapping up today's episode of Roadmap to Heaven, talking about the Blessed Mother, the importance of praying the rosary. And, you know, I think one thing we have to remember at the heart of all of this is that we have a Blessed Mother who loves us. And, you know, I think back to those times in life that my mother told me, eat your vegetables, son. I don't want to eat my vegetables. Eat your vegetables. It's not that my mother was on some crusade to convince the world that broccoli was the greatest thing to ever happen to mankind. Although, in an interesting twist, now as an adult, I actually really love broccoli. I love broccolini. I love sautéed broccoli, steamed broccoli, roasted broccoli, raw broccoli, pastican broccoli, right? It's amazing the insights we get as we grow older. But she, she instilled in us, eat your vegetables because we needed to get our vitamins and minerals. And so that's why they always said, eat your fruits and vegetables, eat healthy. It wasn't, you know, I just love the vegetables so much. So when the Blessed Mother asks us to pray the rosary, it's not. Well, I just love the rosary and I love the attention that it brings to me, the Blessed Mother. No, 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 no. It's about getting us close to her son. And when we promote the rosary so much here on our airwaves, it's not about how much we love the rosary, which we do. But it's about we want you to get to heaven. And with the sacraments being first and foremost, especially the holy sacrifice of the Mass and when we fall in a state of mortal sin, the sacrament of reconciliation, the rosary is one of the most powerful tools that we have. You know, if you think of life as a battle, and we pray the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. Why? Not that I'm talking about a, a battle between you and I, like we're going to have a duel out in the parking lot of Covenant Network. No, we're, but the evil one doesn't want us to get to heaven. We read all about this in the book of Revelation. And I often uh, muse to my wife. I said, you know, there goes the dragon swinging his tail again, and hopefully we'll have the grace of God to stay out of the way and not come down with the stars of the sky, as we read about in Revelations. That's what this is about. Um, as we go into this battle, Padre Pio once said he, he called the rosary his weapon. And there's a great apparition of our Lord to 
one of the bishops in Africa after Boko Haram had kidnapped uh, many of the girls from the village. I think it was in the hundreds of girls. And he's praying and he has a dream one night and our Lord appears to him and hands him a sword. And when he takes the sword from our Lord, it ceases being a sword, it becomes a rosary. And he starts a rosary crusade and all of the girls were returned safely. You can look that up on the internet. You can, uh, it's out there. I want to thank Doug Berry for being with us. I want to thank John Martinoni for being with us today. Let's thank God above all else. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, as it, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Join us tomorrow morning. Father Jeffrey Kirby is going to be with us talking about the precious blood. That's the month that we are in. And we're going to take a look with Doug Berry at the apparition of Our Lady of All Nations. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening today to Roadmap to Heaven. And you know I'm going to say it. Pray your rosary today.